August 18, 2022. Welcome everybody to the Ask Susie Ann KT podcast. How are you this morning, Miss Travis? I feel pretty good, Susie. Because why? What did you do yesterday? Fished, but I'm not going to talk about it because Larry didn't like that we talk about fishing. We had somebody by the name of Larry who has been a longtime listener write in to say, we've gone too overboard with birthdays and fish and things like that. We don't think we did. Many people love it. But for you, Larry, we'll calm it down just a little bit. Maybe. Anyway, <laughs> before we begin today, I really want to talk about something that I'm so proud of. And I'm really proud of the Alliant Credit Union. And let me tell you all why. Kitty, do you remember, it was over a year ago now, that we offered the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account with Alliant Credit Union, and all you would have to do is go to myalliant.com, open up an account, put $100 in every single month, and at the end you would get $100. But even if you couldn't do any of that, they were still offering 0.60% which was one of the highest interest rates that you could find anywhere. KT, do you know what their current interest rate is right now? It's fabulous, Susie. Well, what is it? It's 1.60%. So think about that, everybody. In a year or so, their interest rate has gone up 1%. It is more than doubled on you. Yeah, way more than doubled. Which says that this is a financial institution that as interest goes up, they are going to take you up with them. So if you haven't yet really opened up the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account, you absolutely should do so. Now, there is a long explanation at the end of this podcast exactly how it works, because so many of you are getting your $100 at the end of the 12-month period where you've put in $100 every month, and you're loving it. I want you all to listen on Sunday because on Sunday, I'm going to be announcing another program that Alliant Credit Union is absolutely initiating that I think you might want to take advantage of. And it is another way to get another $100, even if you already have the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account. All right, let's go, KT. Okay, first question, Susie, is from Karen. Hi, Susie. I'm a retired 70-year-old woman. I draw my social security and retirement from my employer. I have not yet started taking distribution from my TSP. Thrift savings plan, which means she's a federal worker. Yes, she's, All right. I purchased the MAX and I-bonds for myself and my trust and plan to do so again in January. That's great, right, Susie? Good for Fabulous, you, Ken. Yeah. I have about $5,000 I'd like to invest in VTI, XIE, and or the Devon. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably talking I about like XLE the, or yeah. XLP maybe, but anyway. The okay. Devon. The Devon. You talked about on August 14th. Can I do this online myself or do I need an agent and broker? No, sweetheart. All you have to do really is open up an account at either TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, any discount brokerage firm, put in your $5,000, and then you could, if you purchase it online, 
buy either slices of VTI, which is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index ETF, or Devon, which is one of the energy stocks that I like very much because of the dividend that it's paying, symbol is DVN, or I'm not sure if you were referring to XLE, which was an ETF for energy companies, or XLP, which was an ETF for staples but I would probably go with XLP, DVN, and VTI for some nice diversification there. And if you're going to do $5,000, I would take that $5,000 and maybe put in like $300 a month. So put in $100 in each one of those and over time, which is dollar cost averaging. And that's what I would do if I were you. I would not put in all $5,000 right here. Okay. Okay. Good, good advice. I love when she says that. She says that at the end of every single question. Is that because you don't know what else to say? No, I just think it's really, when you say something with such clarity, I think it's great advice. All right, next question's from Lisa. Uh, Hi, Susie. Sorry, Larry. I don't think this is going to be one of those podcasts that you're going to want to stay tuned for. Larry, I'm (laughs) on your side today. Ready? Hi, Susie. (laughs) Just joined your podcast. Love it. I just inherited a SEP IRA as a non-spouse. Is that treated the same as a non-spouse traditional IRA? Yes. I'm sure she's asking me because I've been, you know, talking talking about about inherited IRAs. Whenever you inherit a retirement account and you're anybody other than a spouse, then you have a whole separate set of rules that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been doing podcasts on recently. But again, we won't really know the exact rules that have happened now as of February of this year, according to the SECURE Act, until sometime at the end of this year as to how it's going to work. And that's exactly what Lisa said. She said, as I understand, Susie, we should wait till the end yes. of 2022 to see how this is dealt with. Yeah, Great. got it. Okay, right, But yes, a SEP IRA, a 401k, a 403b, and you inherit them, they're all treated the same all as right. an IRA. Next question is from Sharon. Hi, Susie and KT. You guys are the best. I love listening to you. Even though we talk about fishing? Do you have, <laughs> do you have a podcast where you will talk about funding a trust? Not fishing a trust, funding a trust. I've been stuck at that point in the will and trust kit. I know the confusion's probably in my own mind, but please help me get past it. Can I say something, Susie? Tell people what it means to fund a trust. Sharon and everybody else, as you know, right? we have something called the must-have documents. And these are the four documents that, in my opinion, you must have. A living revocable trust, an advanced directive and durable power of attorney for health care, a will, and a power of attorney for finances. And you all should have those. And the problem is that when you go to an attorney to get them, they could easily cost you $2,500 to $5,000. So over 20 some odd years ago, I decided I was going to make these documents available to everybody at a price that they could afford. 
And that started on QVC, HSN, and we've sold tens of millions of these over the years that we allow everybody to share them with your family members. Updates are all free. And again, if it's something that you're interested in, they're currently selling for $99 on suzyormancom slash offer, and you can pick them up there now. We are having an update, just so you know, that will come out sometime next year. We're funding the trust, Sharon, will all be so much easier, I can't even begin to tell you. But remember, I've told all of you that once you buy one of these programs from me, any update that we have, you get automatically for free, we don't charge you again. So I just want you all to know that because I'm sure this isn't the only person who has problems with understanding what funding the trust is. It's very easy to create a document. You just go through the computer screen, you answer all the questions and everything, and then it prints out for you. It gives you instructions that you should have it notarized as well as witnessed, and then it tells you you need to fund the trust. Normally, Sharon, you go back into the program after that, and there will be a little section that says funding the trust. You click on it. You then enter what assets you own. Do you own a piece of real estate? Do you own a bank account? Do you own a regular savings account? You click everything that you own. It's very simple. And then you print out the funding documents that are needed for each one of those entities. So that's how you would do it. Now, why do you have to fund a trust? When you own an asset in your own individual name, I own my own home and it's in the title of Susie Orman and I die and I leave that home to KT via a will, KT is going to have to go through probate to inherit that. If you own it in the name of the trust, if I die, and KT is my beneficiary, she automatically inherits it. Why? Because when you have a living revocable trust, you have to change the title of your assets from your individual name into the title of the trust. So my home would no longer be Susie Orman on the title. It would be Susie Orman trustee for the Susie Orman Living Revocable Trust. When I do that, I have then funded the trust. I have then taken the asset, the piece of real estate, and I've transferred it into the title of the trust. Obviously, if it's a piece of real estate, I have to go down to the title company and change it there. If it's a bank account, I then take the form that you will print out, take it to the bank, and change the title from my individual name into the title of the trust. You'll have to bring the trust with you and show them the document. It's really just that simple. Otherwise, you have what's called an empty trust. So you have to fund your trust to make sure all your assets pass without probate. Okay. In essence, it's a name change. It's a name change. Oh, well, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> I think sometimes people- I just spend people, 10 minutes and Susie, did. I think people get mixed up and they think funding means you, they put money in a trust. You don't. You change the title. You change a name. 
And that's called funding when you simply change the name. All right, here we go. She's so smart. You're so smart. So this is from Andrea. I'm getting close to the age where I will need to start withdrawing RMDs. Me too, Andrea. From my 403B and traditional IRAs. One more year for both of us. Mm-hmm. I think maybe good friend. Should I buy an index annuity mm. with enough of my IRA funds that will generate enough lifetime income to cover all of my traditional IRA RMDs? Or number two, I am planning to withdraw RMDs from my 403B, which has a fixed interest rate of 4.5%. Oh, my goodness, Andrea. What is your recommendation, Susie? Yeah, if I had a place that was guaranteeing me 4.5% on my money, okay, and I knew that was true, and I could take out any amount of money I wanted during that time, I would not be doing an index annuity at all to guarantee me income for the rest of the time because there's no way they're going to be able to guarantee you right now 4.5%. And it may be as interest rates go up that, Andrea, maybe your 403B will absolutely offer you a higher interest rate than 4.5%. So right now, I would just leave it exactly like it is. Here we go. Next questions from Linda. Hi, Susie and KT. Do you recommend reinvesting dividends for ETFs and stocks? I'm 65. I don't need to draw any income from my portfolio until 72. Or should I be putting the dividends into cash? Good question. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, Linda, I love dividend reinvestment programs. They're called DRIPS. I love when I'm invested (laughs) in- yeah, dividend reinvestment program. Drips. Drips. We did this podcast before. I know. I remember drip. Drip. She likes a drip. <laughs> drip, drip, drip. So I really like when dividends get reinvested because, for instance, if something is paying you, let's just say 5% of a dividend, and now they paid you that dividend and you put it back into the ETF or the stock then that starts to earn 5% as well. So your money starts to compound at 5%. Obviously, the value can go up, the value can go down depending on the stock market. But overall, I think it's a really good time to be doing that, especially if you have five, six, seven years till you're going to be using this money. Okay. Mm, Good. This is from Blanca. Hi, Susie and Katie. Blanca. I, I hope you're both doing fabulous My parents have told me several times they want to add my sister and I to the title of their house. They live in Miami. Do you think we need a lawyer for this? I'm not sure where to begin to help my parents. And this is from Blanca. What should she do? You should convince your parents to absolutely not add anybody's name to the title of their home. And I've told you all this over and over again. Remember, when you add the name to a title, you're gifting them your cost basis in that house as well. If they bought that house a number of years ago for $300,000, then your cost basis would be $300,000 on that home. As time goes on, let's say that house is now worth $1.3 million, which it absolutely could be. If they were to die 
and you inherited that home, you would get a step up in basis on it of $1.3 million. You turn around and sell it, no income tax whatsoever. If they put anybody's name on that house, you get the cost basis on that house as well. And you don't want that also. If they add your name and your sister's name to that house, and one of you is in a car accident where you have seriously injured or killed somebody, it's public record that you own that house. Don't think a lawyer won't come and sue you to get the value of that house that you own. So therefore, the best thing you can do for them is set them up in the Living Revocable Trust, the must-have documents that we have, and put the house in the title of the trust So it's for their benefit while they're alive, your benefit after they've died, they die, you get a step up in basis, it doesn't go through probate, you get it two weeks later, it's fabulous. And if they become incapacitated, Mm -hmm. you can sign for them, you can help them. It's really what you need to do. Putting your names on the home is the biggest mistake they will ever make. Good, Blanca, you got that right. Okay, next question is from Barbara. She said, Susie, I have three kids ages 12 through 16. Oh, good luck, they Barbara. They need braces. Ready? My I dental insurance. I remember when I needed braces, and this was did such you, a big... Did you wear braces? Yes, I, I wore didn't know braces. That. I had a little rubber band. I never and... saw a photo of you ever with braces. T, think about it. Have we you have ever... hardly any photos of you. I was going to say, you. you have no photos of me as a young child at all. Little little child, but not with a brace. After five or six or seven, there are really very few photos of me existing anywhere. Yeah, no high school. Not, no high, nothing. It's a very strange situation. Anyway. Okay, ready? So, all right. So, my dental insurance at work does not cover this expense. You bet Susie, it does not. should I take a loan from my 401k or money out of my Roth IRA? Which is better? Neither. You are not to touch your retirement accounts, especially at this point in time. Because if number one, you take a loan from your 401k, recession hits, maybe you lose your job, that money is due and payable. And if you don't have it, they're going to charge you a 10% penalty in ordinary income tax. You don't want to take it from your Roth, even though you can take your original contributions anytime you want. The markets are going up. You don't want to miss this and blah, blah. But this is what I want all of you to do. A long time ago, it's been, and I don't even remember how long since we've talked about this, KG, right? But there is something called a dental savings plan. And I want every single one of you to go to dentalplans.com and check it out because they will absolutely give you a reduction for orthodontists, for your kids, like 10 to 60%. And most of you don't know about dental savings plans, but they're offered usually by the exact same companies that offer dental insurance. And if your dentist happens to take a dental savings plan, you can save anywhere up to 60% Huge on savings. x-rays, on cleanings, on root canals. And when you go there, right, you'll see my little picture because I have a dental savings plan and I have saved so many thousands of dollars. Me too. Both of us. Both, me too. And we don't have dental insurance because we believe that dental savings plans are far better off. So, 
Just go there and check it out. And no, I don't make money if you go there and buy it, just so you know. All we, right. We love dental safety. Just plans. it's something every single one of you should do. All right. Next question is from Gloria. Reminds me I need my teeth clean. You do, but we've been waiting to go back because of COVID. But you should go now. You think it's safe? Yeah. I had mine done last month. Fabulous. How much did it save you? A lot. It was like very cheap. Yeah, right. Anyway, yeah, I right. used my dental saving plan. It's incredibly Yeah, with Cigna. All right, sorry. We won't go on about that. All right. Larry so, might not like it. All right, all right go this on. This next question's from Gloria. Hi, I bought I-bonds this June and July. Rate changes in November. Do I get the 9.62 for six months from purchase date or adjust to a new rate November 1? So, Gloria, the I-bond rate was set in May of this year at 9.62%. So you get six months of that or 4.81% from June until December and July until January. When those six months mature, whatever the new rate is that is set in November of this year, you will get that rate. But remember, it's only for six months because I-bond interest rates change every six months. So it is from the date of purchase. All right. All right. Next question is from Joe. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe. I like to get these questions. Hi, Susie and KT. I'm hooked on your podcast and listen every week. I've been a TV and a book fan for years. I have an Alliance Savings account, received my $100 bonus. Thank you, Susie. And now you're getting 1.60%, yeah. Joe. Have a Roth IRA, I-bond, and no debt. Quick question. A few years ago, I opened a HELOC, which is now paid off in full. I will not need to use it again as I have a 12-month emergency fund. I have a $50,000 line of credit. I also pay my credit cards in full every month. So literally, I have no debt. So You're doing here's his, great, Joe. But here's his, he also owns his home outright. But here's his question. Would turning off that amount of available credit hurt my FICO score? No, Joe. I like that. They run together. So Joe, just keep your HELOC open. It doesn't cost you anything. You never know in case of emergency that you might want to use it. Who knows what can happen in life? Just keep it open and don't worry about it. Next, KT. So Susie, I have another HELOC question. It says, hi, Susie and KT. Thanks for giving the regular podcast. I look forward to every Thursday and Sunday to listen. I did put 40K in I-bonds, 10K each for every family member, and thanks for the masterclass you gave. If I want to put more I-bonds of 10,000 as a gift for my minor daughter, who is 15 years old, would it be a good idea to tap my HELOC, which has an interest rate as of now at 3.25%? due to my great credit score, and use that money to buy I-bonds where I will be making around 10%. Hmm. I am... Should that have been your quizzy? No, wait, wait. Well, I don't know about this, Susie. I don't, I don't know if you take one out of one to make more interest in another. So, Susie, I can't answer that question. I have no clue whether you should borrow money 
to then buy money to make a higher interest. A lot of people do that all the time. They borrow money from their brokerage account to buy on margin, to make more money, lose even more. So here's the bottom line, everybody. You are not, and I repeat, you are not to borrow money from a home equity line of credit just in order to buy an I-bond. Remember, you cannot touch the I-bond for at least one year. From years two to five, there is a three-month interest penalty. What if inflation does start to go down and all of a sudden the interest rates that we think they're going to pay, they don't pay? And with the penalty and everything for the next five years, it's actually under what you're paying on your HELOC. Why? Because as the feds continue to raise interest rates, I don't care what your FICO score is, it's going to go from three and a half to four and a half to five to six. Are you crazy? So no, you are not to do that under any circumstances whatsoever. So next question is from Robin. Susie, I was curious if you are invested in I bonds. <laughs> I like this. I actually, I don't like this. And the U.S. government, God forbid, goes bankrupt. <laughs> How safe is your investment then? What recourse do you have? Are these bonds federally insured? <laughs> so that's very sweet. I mean, this is actually people wonder about these. They things. should they wonder should about wonder. that. You know, Robin, when you study to be a financial advisor you're taught that there's only one investment that you can use the word guaranteed with, and that is with a treasury bill, bond, or note. A treasury issued by the United States government. Because it's guaranteed by the authority of the United States government, or another way to think about it, of the taxing authority of the United States government. So if the government gets in trouble, they will simply raise taxes on every single person to raise that money to be able to pay you back. So all treasuries are the safest investment bar none. But they're not insured, right? It's not they're insured. In, no, but it's they're far, guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Okay. Listen, insurance, FDIC insurance. insurance, we don't know what would happen, honestly, if there was a total major, major, major collapse. Let's hope they all have that money there. But if I were going to pick which is safer, right, insurance or the treasuries, it would be the treasuries. All right, KT. Quizzy time. This is your quizzy, quizzy. So this one is from Sarah. Mm -hmm. Very simple question. Can I loan a sum of money to family members without charging interest? Think about it, everybody. Now, remember, KT, don't answer yet. This isn't just KT's quizzy. This is all of your quizzies as well. Can you loan money to your family members without charging interest? Yes or no? Well, can I answer this? Yes or no. It's not a loan if you don't charge interest. First start, yes or no. Ask me the question again. Can I loan money to a family member and not charge them interest? Or anybody for that matter. I think, yeah, you can. You can give someone money. See, I'm saying give versus I'm asking loan. you, can you loan somebody money, a family member, a non-family member, without charging them interest? Yes or no? Yes. 
So wait, because I, I it's a loan versus giving them. No. Okay. All right. So when you make a loan, the IRS says not only should you have it in writing, but you have got to charge an interest rate because otherwise it is considered a gift. What is a promissory note? A promissory note says, it's, it's a loan document that says, I promise to pay you back a specific amount of time, a specific amount of money at this much of an interest rate. What if there is no interest rate on a promissory note? Then it's a gift. Because huh. every single one of us, KT, has the ability to give anybody we want $16,000 a year currently without any taxes to them and it not coming off of our estate gift tax, our unified gift tax credit. Above $16,000, it comes off our unified gift tax credit, which is currently about $12 million for each person. But no, you have to charge interest. And if the government finds out about it, they'll consider it a gift. All right. Also, chances are if you're lending money to a family member, you're giving them a gift whether you know it or not. <laughs> so my advice to you seriously would be, if you're going to give them money or loan them money, I would do it as a gift and the hopes that they do pay you back one day. And if they don't, not their problem, you gave it to them. Otherwise, it is going to come between you, whether you know it or not. I'd be very careful about lending family members money. We never, ever, ever do we, KT, do that. No, we gift. We, we never, ever make a loan. Ever. Ever. Not even with friends. We, we never make loans. Period. We just give, a, we just give people really the money. somebody really needs money, here it is. If you can pay us back, great. great. If, if not, you can't, don't so worry. be it. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. If you're not in that position, do not do it. Do not do it. Do not do it. All right. That brings us to the end of a pretty non-fishy Ask Susie and Katie anything. I'm not going to tell anything. you anything, Larry. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Oh, just tell them since we're at the end of it. Okay, and yesterday, you can just yesterday we caught 30 fish. It was an all-day event, and we were trying to really gather as much as we could because we have a big family gathering to feed. So we had 12 yellowtail, and I think we had like about... 18 uh, yellow eye, right? Yeah. And a couple tile fish. Yeah, but we don't count tile fish because I'm not I, sure if I they're like good them. to eat or not. They're but delicious. anyway, and when she says we, that's her and Colo. Colo. Yeah, I should not be catching fish and I'm not going to because I pay for it. All right. So until Sunday, what do you want to tell people, KT? Actually, Sunday's going to be a great podcast. So listen up, everyone. Susie's going to announce some really good news. From Alliant yeah, Credit Union. I think they'll love what you're about to announce. All right. And I might also do the Susie School on how you calculate interest on I-bonds. Because mm. a lot of you are really, really confused about that. You are writing me saying, it's been nine months. I think I should have X interest rate and I don't have that much. Why is that? So I think I may do a Susie School on that. But you just never know with me because we'll just have to see what happens in the stock market between today, Thursday, 
all day today and all day tomorrow and then what I do. But until Sunday, there's really only one thing that we want everybody to remember. And what is that, KT? We want you all to be safe, strong, and secure. And smart. Okay, she keeps saying smart. Can we make it, KT? I want people to be smart, strong, secure, and safe. And now I like my three, safe, strong, and secure. They're smart because they're already listening. You're already smart, everybody. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> See you then. Bye-bye. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.